Well, howdy, y'all. Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. Thanks for being here. Good show for you today. Got Amy Lee Hubbard in the house. Amy stopped by the shop last week. We had a little chat. Uh, Amy and I go way back. We uh, started working together uh, back in 2003 or 2004, somewhere around there. Uh, We did a play together with the Actors Co-op called Measured in Labor. Uh, We talk about that quite a bit in the podcast. It was the first time I met Amy, and uh, she started the whole Actors Co-op theater company in Knoxville, uh, the Black Box Theater over in Hamburg, and it had a good run, man, and Amy was the heartbeat behind it. She and uh, director Kara Kemp were nice enough to offer me a uh, job uh, as an actor in uh, that play back in 03 or 04. And since then, Amy and I have had kind of similar career trajectories. We've both moved from acting in plays and theater productions into directing and producing for film and television. It's kind of weird. It's kind of trippy. But uh, we haven't really worked together that much since then, until recently, when we reconnected. We'll talk about that, too. Amy has directed a feature for Nest Features. We'll talk about that, too. But Amy also did some acting in film, and uh, one of her films ended up at Sundance Film Festival that she was acting in. So she's, she's kind of been doing it all, man. And we had a really good chat. That's coming up in just a minute. I did want to say there's a new personal record on the Rubik's Cube here in the shop. Solved it in 45 seconds. So uh, that means Austin Christensen, Jenny Andrews, Ryan Tenry, my people that I have friendly Rubik's Cube competitions with, your move. All right? 45 seconds. See if you can beat it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Here's my conversation with my friend, Amy Lee Hubbard. We're doing the pop test. Who become you? You've been really busy since... uh, I met you when I was 18. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've pretty much been busy since you were 18. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It is good. Well, we we met in the the theater and uh, the Black Box Theater, man. Oh, what a family. I know. I know. I know. And but you, uh, at some point, you got into the you got into the the motion picture side of it too. Were you into it then? Too. I was in front of the camera Mm. before. Yes. So. it was a natural transition going from theater production. And my first real job behind the camera, I started working for East Tennessee PBS. Ah. Yeah. In, uh, I think, 2012, some, somewhere around there. Okay. And um, as their community engagement director. What's that? Well, there are really fantastic shows on PBS, of course, as everyone knows, but things like Independent Lens, they had a way that you could do screenings around town for those documentaries that were, that are a part of that mm. component of PBS. Gotcha. <clears throat> and so I would arrange screenings in different places and get panels, oh, and I cool. wrote grants. Um, and through grant writing, I was able to direct a short documentary called East Tennessee Makers Mm. about women who make East Tennessee. Um, Madeline Rojero was in that. Uh, Margot Miller. 
Patricia Robledo, um, just talking about ladies that are really making things happen. And that was a part of a larger uh, program through WETA, the uh, Washington, D.C. PBS affiliate station. Mm. Um, that was, you know, Gloria Steinem and Hillary Clinton and and ladies like that. So yeah. we kind of did a component with that. And that's when I was like, you know, I just want to. I just want to storytell this way, yeah. you know, not necessarily through documentaries, but I think I always thought that there's always a part of me, even in theater, although I love theater, it's fantastic, where it just felt like I would naturally transition into the film side of things. So It's interesting. It's It makes a lot of sense now that I think back about our Coal Creek project that we did <laughs> together, because we, you know, it wasn't just like we were, we were putting on a production for, for our hometown people to enjoy. We also toured around with it. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, there was some grant money involved in mm -hmm. that from national endowment for the arts. Yeah, We, we <clears throat> were lucky to receive, uh, an access to America grant. I don't know that that was the name, but it was similar to that, but it was for smaller projects like ours. Um, I think we got a grant for $10,000 and we had to match that. And that allowed us to tour that play, um, which was based on a coal mining disaster from 1902 in, in Freighterville, the Freighterville mine disaster, um, to regions in Southeast Tennessee and, uh, and in Eastern Kentucky that have had similar historical experiences. Mm. Um, so that was through NEA. So yeah, I mean, the <clears throat> going from running a theater company and doing projects like that into PBS, it was a really, it was a natural transition. Yeah. And I still, even to this day, you know, I'm trying to learn more about the technical aspects of things, but the storytelling aspect comes really naturally yeah. to me, I think. And um, yeah. And, and with theater, similar to television and film, whether you're doing documentary or narrative work, it's a lot of research. And I think people don't really think about, about that right. aspect of it, Yeah, you know, and even in your work with brand integration, you know, with pop fizz, you still have to research and it's a lot of, it's a lot of homework. Mm -hmm. And I really actually dig the homework. So it makes it fun. Yeah. Fix it in pre, you know, fi <laughs> figure, figure it all out beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Be as prepared as you can. Know yeah. as many answers to as many questions yeah. as you can imagine. Because yeah, somebody's <laughs> got to have all the answers. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's not me, but <laughs> maybe all together, maybe if we get a five or six brains in the room, yeah, we'll come up with it. Well, so you're from Kentucky, right? I'm from Kentucky. I'm from Bowling Green. Um, really, I should say Warren County because because that's what you say in Kentucky. You, yeah, you say the county you're from, right? Right. I'm from Warren County. Where are you from? Warren County? Um, yeah, I'm from Warren County. So I uh, I grew up in the country, um, a small small school system, small high school. A lot of my friends were farmers. Mm. <clears throat> a lot of the people I graduated with went into the military. Um, a lot went to college. A lot just started working at the factories in town. Yeah. So, yeah, bunch well, of coal mining around there. Or no, no, uh, -uh. no. It's to, it was. It was. I don't. I think now it's not. Um, tobacco farming, mm. tobacco cattle. Cool. That kind of thing. Yeah, but we were not from coal, the coal mining area. Gotcha. What'd your parents do when you were growing up? Well, my mom worked a few different jobs, but mainly same as my memo and my um, aunts by marriage at the. Union Underwear Factory. There's For, an underwear factory there. <laughs> there is. Fruit of the Loom oh. was based there. So spinning cotton into undies. <clears throat> That's right. That's right. Sewing seams. 
So in seams. So yeah, my uh, my mom worked there a lot of it, but she also she would take uh, kind of secretarial jobs, and then she went on to become a real estate appraiser um, for a while. So my father in law does. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty it's, cool business. It is cool. She um, she ended up getting a really great place out at um, Barron River Lake, where my mama and papa had had a house as well, and um, just did a appraisals out in country homes and, and did really well for a while. And then she made some changes, but, uh, yeah, that's what my mom did. And then my dad lived in the West a lot. Um, he did, and well, he doesn't still go to rendezvous, but he did like American revolution Huh. reenactment kind of things and he build builds muzzle loaders and he's a blacksmith like that's what he does not a farrier but he makes knives mm. and um and a little bit of decorative metal but mainly knives and everything between a certain time period which is kind of french indian war-esque and um but yeah he builds muzzle loaders that's Dude, that is that's his thing that's the upbringing i want to hear from somebody from kentucky that's right, right. <laughs> like mom worked at the underwear factory my mom yeah <laughs> my dad builds guns it's awesome i know it's good it's my good. uh i've got a ton of family in kentucky my 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 whole dad's side of the family came from hazard around mm-hmm. there and uh, a lot of them still live there it's it's, it's hard to get out yeah. And you don't want to get out. You know, a lot of people don't want to get out. So that's good, too. Our buddy Ben Hubbard. That's right. No relation. Well, I mean, not that we know of, but we're going to go ahead and claim it. <laughs> you should. I know we do. We good. do. Poor Lorena has told everybody, his wife, who I love, <laughs> like we just call each other our sister-in-laws and, you yeah. know, it, it's nice. It's nice to have quote unquote family because I'm an only child. Okay. And, um, and I believe that Ben has a sister, but I don't know that they're yeah. super close. So we yeah. just... We just pile up and our girls have been similar, you know, they're similar ages. And yeah. so when they were smaller, uh, there was a lot of that shared babies. Like yeah, yeah. the other Hubbards are coming over and they would be like, well, the other Hubbards are coming over. And so, you know, <laughs> did a lot of stuff with our girls and camping trips yeah. and stuff. What, uh, did you go to college in Kentucky? I went to Western Kentucky University. Oh, yeah. um, and then I, because I was an actor. I'm a reformed actor now. Yeah, um, recovering. I'm a recovering actor. I may still do it again. Probably not. Maybe. Fall off the wagon and, and, and take Gosh. another role. I know, and then just go crazy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then I met a boyfriend at Williamstown Theater Festival up in Massachusetts. Ah. I was an apprentice there in 1989. And then I ended up moving to Knoxville in 1990 and following him. Okay. And... uh. And then we were back at Williamstown in 1990, and then we broke up shortly after, it seems like. But we remained friends, which which was good. But I really liked Knoxville, and I stayed. I went to school here a little bit, but I never graduated. I just gotcha. kind of floated around, and I graduated myself, as I like to say, because I just didn't take any general education classes. Yeah. But I took as many classes as I could that yeah. I just was. I just found interesting. Yeah. I think I That's took a, what- that's what it should be. Yeah. I took some anthropology and some Tai Chi. Yes. I took a swimming class. Yeah. Things that were not useful toward a degree. Yeah. But then I was like, I have enough student loans. I got to bounce. Maybe I'll go back. Oh. <laughs> I remember when I was when I was at UT, my mom was like, did you say you're taking a badminton class? <laughs> I was like, yeah. 
three hours a week. She's like, you get three credit hours for that? I was like, no, it's only one credit hour, but the <laughs> class is three hours a week. Because you've got to have some fun. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. So so did you do the theater thing in, in, in high school and college and all that? Or, I did. Yeah. I did. Um, yeah, I remember seeing, I think, I think the first play that I ever saw was at the Capitol Theater in Fountains, uh, Fountain Square Park in Bowling Green. Okay. And it was a one-woman show about Eleanor Roosevelt. Ooh, fun. Totally over my head. Really? You know, like, totally. I was just like, what is going on? And then I don't remember seeing another play until high school. And it was You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Aww. And I was like, I can do that. Yeah. I could do You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I could play, you know, whoever. Um, and then I started auditioning and and all that. But I was a cheerleader. And and then I was a cheerleader and president of speech and drama. So it was a... Perfect. Yeah, it was a balance. That's a lot for, <laughs> for a high school student. Well... You know, I didn't smoke pot and I lived in rural Kentucky. So it was like, you know, there was a vacuum there that you could yeah, just fill in wherever you wanted I know. to. I was like, I'm going to, you know, and I was also vice president of chess club, but really that's just because it took place during the time that I had math class and I was terrible at math. And I was mm. like, I'm just going to join whatever club happens during math. It gets me out of that. God. Yeah. So, you know, I was, um, extracurricular addicted ah. so I like doing I like doing stuff and I'm still a little bit that way <clears throat> where I just I enjoy meeting people and talking to people and I enjoy finding out what it's about you know what's it's a curiosity I think digging into new topics digging into new topics and just kind of observing other people and groups of people and how they move and you know I kind of emotionally grew out of being a cheerleader early <laughs> on. Um, but I had friends and I liked doing it and mm -hmm. I liked being at the games and I liked being a part of a team and yeah. I was not very athletic otherwise. Mm. Um, although I did play soccer my senior year on a boys team, but it was the first time Warren County had had soccer. Mm. Um, we were late to the game, but because the Corvette plant is in Bowling Green and um, and out in Warren County, there were a lot of kids that had come in from Illinois mm. who actually knew how to play soccer. So gotcha. my friends Tammy and Becky and I were just like, we're going to try out for soccer. And there weren't enough people, so we got on the team. And That's was, awesome. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> you were extracurricular addicted. <laughs> I know. It was just like, hey, let's try it. You did it all. I know. It was just kind of whatever kept me busy. I mean, it wasn't my studies. I was not a great student, but, um, but it was. You're fun skipping to, math class. <laughs> to play chess. Yeah. Ben, very smart. I love it. I know. Uh, Thanks. So, uh, did, did theater become a thing after college then? Like a, a thing that you wanted to do for fun or? No, I think I wanted, as soon as I started doing it, I felt like it was where I was supposed to be, yeah. you know, in high school. And, um, my first play was my sophomore year, okay. I think. So you got into it in high school. That's, that's about when I found <clears throat> yeah. it, too. Yeah. That's, uh, what, what was your first play you did? West Side Story. There I was go. a jet girl. There you go. Yeah. Did, did uh, the theater bug bite you right away? Yeah. I just felt, I don't know, I think I felt really challenged by it. I was a, ter I'm a terrible, well, not a, you don't want to ever say you're, you're terrible at something, but I'm not 
ever going to get paid to sing? We'll say it like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, when you're in theater, but I could dance and I could act, but I couldn't sing, but I mm. kept trying for a little while. And um, like, maybe it'll, maybe something will move. Maybe <laughs> the needle will move in my favor, but it didn't. <laughs> And I remember in college at Western, which had a really great program, a lot of really great people came out of there. Uh, but at the end of each semester, we would get adjudicated by all of our professors. So part of our final was that we would um, learn, you know, 32 counts of a of a dance, you know, and if yeah. you jazz, ballet, modern, whatever, you'd have to perform it in front. You'd have to do two different monologues. And then if you were a performing arts major or a music major or minor, you'd have to sing a song. And so I was straight up theater with a minor in dance. And then I was like, I'm going to switch on over to getting a performing arts mm. degree and do all of it. And I won't focus on voice, but but I sang my song and they were like, just, don't, just go back. <laughs> We'll still let you back into the yeah, old program. Just go back. <laughs> go back. Um, because, and what they said was, you'll, you're nev- we're not going to graduate you with this degree because you will never get hired to sing. And I was like, sounds legit. And, so. and that was, the, that was the, the lesson in rejection that every actor needs to learn early. Yeah. And you know what? I think... Oh, I have a reputation a little bit of just being super upfront with my actors. And I do a lot of true crime recreations. And we don't necessarily, we don't, on the shows that I direct, the show that I'm on, um, and even the shows that I've produced in the past, we we roll without sound <clears throat> because it's just a visual image or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I'll There's si- voiceover over yeah, it or something yeah. like that. So I'll side coach a lot and, you know, I'll be yeah. like, Hey, Ben, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Why are you looking at me? Don't look at me. We're still, hey, move to your left. No, that's your right. Move to your left. Where's your left? Hold up your left hand, you know. But I think it's because I came from a program and a way of training that just didn't sugarcoat it. Mm. And as a, as for me, that's really helpful. I'd rather somebody tell me, don't yeah. do, don't do it that way. Does anybody ever uh, take exception to being side coached? I've heard some actors find it offensive. Well, and I've actually if, seen one one case where an actor got really pissed at a director for doing it. I think if they do, they're not going to be bold enough to say it to this fifty almost fifty two year old lady <laughs> who's like who's been around doing yeah, it for a long time. Who's just like move to your left, <laughs> you know? They're just like, oh my mother, God, where's that voice coming from? Don't look at me! Don't look at the camera! We only have 10 hours in this day. Um, but I really do think that came from my training at Western Kentucky mm. in, in a kind way, like in a good way, where it's like, you know, you should be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. Mm. Like, let's not waste anybody's time, yeah. you know. And they still, they weren't, they were right, you know. They were never like, hey, if you challenge yourself more, you can grow more. They, you know, they did that to people too. Like they really supported my acting, mm-hmm. you know. But they told you right away that you weren't going to be a singer. They told me that I was welcome to sing, but I would never get hired for it or to get a degree. From this university. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, it's just like an, an argue, you cannot argue with, right. you know, a jury of your um, teachers. A unanimous jury. Yeah, where they're just like, 
back up, stop, <laughs> stop. You know. So did you, did you bring, uh, you went up to, where was it in Pennsylvania? Williamstown Theater Williamstown. Festival in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that a big like summer stock type deal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's um, when Nico Sakharopoulos uh, founded that festival. And it's very weird because he died the year before I did my apprenticeship, ah. um, which was very unexpected. People were very, very sad. But um, but it's kind of it's kind of a star-ridden theater festival, or it was then. Like, gotcha. Uh, Christopher Reeves did um, a play called, oh gosh, it ended up getting made into a movie that Brad Pitt was in, but Christopher Reeves, who played Superman, was up there a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the summers that I was up there, um, Blythe Danner, who is mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow's mother. I know Blythe Danner. Yeah, she's just fantastic. She was... Um, she was there in the repertory company and then Gwyneth Paltrow was there doing, um, you know, Huck Finn. Mm. And, uh, (laughs) there was one story where this one actor left his dorm room, but he left the music up really loud and Gwyneth Paltrow literally scaled the building, (laughs) climbed in his window and we were all like, she's awesome, you know, because we were just trying to hang out on the quad and, you know, study our lines. Yeah. Be precious actors, but is it a whole like a whole summer immersion mm-hmm. apprenticeship type yeah, deal? Yeah, it was for, for people that are in college. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean that's what it was then, but this was you know in the eight, late eighties, early nineties. So you so. so you pull off a production, a whole production by the end, or no? Is it, you just no, study? it's classes, and uh, then uh, they fun. yeah, and then they used they used the apprentices as labor. Mm. And in your classes, you would do showcases. And gotcha. you would do showcases for the people that you wanted to, you know, like the yeah. repertory actors would come. Um, and, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman was there when I was there. Wow. Um, just a lot of a lot of really great people and a lot of successful actors. But also it was a really, that company at the time, I'm sure it's still this way, um, they were really serious about it. You know, they mm. weren't they weren't messing around. It wasn't like, oh, Hollywood comes to Massachusetts. It was very like artist and create creative driven. It mm. was it was good. Was it at a college or a university? Williams College okay. is where um is where we performed and where we all housed. Cool. Lived in the dorms and lived took every- classes in the in the yeah. classrooms and yeah. Went to summer school. Went to summer school, essentially, <laughs> and then got to do a showcase. And I went back uh, the year after as a Act One apprentice, or not an apprentice, an Act One company member, which is more like an internship. Gotcha. And it was interesting for me being from where I'm from, because like a lot of those kids are from Juilliard. You know, they're, yeah. they're going to Juilliard and they're going there like, where, where do you live? And I was like, well, I'm from Warren County, Kentucky. <laughs> You're like, how'd you get here? And I was like, I tried out. (laughs) Did you have to go up and audition? I had to audition for the Act One company. There were only 12 people in that company. The Apprentice Company, there were 89. And and I believe that um, my technical director at Western Kentucky, his name is Steve Probus, he just retired from Disney. Um, He was their technical director. Mm. And so... This is what I mean by like they were like, don't sing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but Steve is one of the 
instructors at that college pulled mm. me inside and, and said, I'm going to write you a direct recommendation. Nice. I feel like you need to be in this acting program and I feel like you need to be with these people, you know. Excellent. You're not going to go anywhere working at the movie theater in Bowling Green over the summer. Yeah. You know? So they were really good and positive that way. You know, they steered me in the right direction. So you did it two years? Did the I did it two years. Apprentice and then the act one? Yeah. Deal? Yeah. I bet you learned so much. It was the most informative experience. The the single single most <laughs> the single most informative acting experience you've it ever was, had. It was. It was because it was. Um, those classes were intense, man. They weren't messing around. Yeah. And uh, and they also were very good about just being like, "Don't do that." Like, "What are you doing? Don't do that." Yeah. Um, and there were ideas I think I had of myself, you know, where I was like, oh, I can push trying to do this or whatever. And they were like, you're an ingenue, you know, because I was like 19. Yeah. They were like, don't try to play a 30-year-old woman. Like, just yeah. do this, yeah. you know. And then there was one play, um, a fellow named Sidney Mont, so I think he's in L.A. now, that he wrote. And it was my ex-boyfriend, who's still my very good friend, his name's Kurt. He and I did this play together, and we were... I guess in juvenile detention and you know and it was really harsh and the the material was, yeah was it was juvenile harsh. detention yeah 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 okay. so the two characters were in juvenile detention all this stuff and um and I was like Sydney I don't know how to do this and he was like just listen to Black Sabbath <laughs> I was like, okay <laughs> I, I'll try did it work out it did work out. Yeah. It did work got out. Got you in the headspace. It got me in the headspace. Yeah. And um, it did work out. And I think it was probably pretty good. I mean, it's hard to tell, but I got good feedback on it. So I got to, you know, that was a good way to push myself, not try to sing songs, just push myself in acting. You, you didn't want to be a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. No. You said, I'm just going to lean into what, yeah, I'm just gonna what start, got me here. I'm just going to start doing what people tell me to do yeah. for a minute and, you know. Well, I, I noticed when, you know, when, when we were in our play together that I referenced, um, everybody, I mean, everybody was so serious about the craft, you know, it wasn't like we're just getting together to, you know, just getting together to mess around. We yeah. were really making a real thing. Yeah. And it was, it was my first exposure to professional theater and it was very, it was something else, man. It was, it was one of those, um. I mean, I hear people tell stories about the black box theater all the time now. And I mean, it's just like, it's this thing, this like monolithic idea in people's minds because it had so much impact on so many different people. Um, and it was such a great thing for the community thank and you. did a great job with oh, it. Oh, thank you. Well, it was, I mean, it was all of us, you know, and the Coal Creek Project in particular you know, that was Kara going to study, do an immersive summer internship with the city company. Kara Kemp. Kara Kemp. Yeah. And um, and then that was like Sarah Schwabe pushing her boundaries, like the whole company. <laughs> you mean a Minnesotan using a, a Kentucky accent? Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee accent. <laughs> a Tennessee um, accent. Yeah. And playing an older woman. And, you know, yeah. I mean, we were all, um, we just wanted to tell that story because the freighter... For those of you listening, you should look up the Freighter Real Mind Disaster of 1902. It's heartbreaking. And um, and during that mind disaster, all the men in this community died except for a couple. And Ben played the youngest son of this family <laughs> who had to deal with a lot of grief because 
the way that this particular family story would go is that the men in the family would take turns going to the mine and one person would stay home to work the fields. And and this was based off a true story. There's yeah. a lot of uh, documentation from the mine disaster and a lot of archives at uh, the Appalachian Museum. And so Ben's character was, you know, had a lot to deal with. I mean, it was, it was intense and we were telling the stories, uh, real stories of real people mm-hmm. who have descendants who came and saw our play. I yeah. mean, so um, what an honor to be able to to be able to tell that story, you yeah. know, for those people and, mm-hmm. and to learn and immerse ourselves in that. It's just such a gift. And uh uh I mean the 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 uh play was an original mm-hmm, mm-hmm. play, never been done before. It was written by Alan Gratz, right? Yeah. The music? The music, Sarah Perkle and Jeff Barbara wrote an all original soundtrack for us, which still resonates in um and the idea behind the whole play came from Kara coming back from the city company and summer intensive and saying, I want to do a, a play. And I was like, well, you know, Sarah Perkle has this song called Wakefield Widows. And then there was a newspaper article about the anniversary of the Freighterville mine disaster. And I was like, can we look at doing that? And then Kara just took it and ran with it. And, you know, Alan Gratz now is a bestseller uh, young adult author. With, really? Yeah, I think he's with Penguin. Penguin Putnam. I mean, he's a big deal. Yeah. His, and he lives in Asheville. Um, Asheville, North Carolina? Yeah. Or Nashville? Asheville, Asheville North, North Carolina. Carolina. Um, but he's got several books on the bestseller list, and they're really, really brilliant and beautiful. I remember riding in the car with, or in the van with him uh, on the way back from one of our tour stops where we were touring that play. And he was telling me about a, I feel like he was writing a, almost a kid's book at the time or something like that. And it was his, I want to say it was like his first book. I think it was Samurai Shortstop. Really? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And it is about Japanese baseball huh. and um, in a in a boys' school in, in Japan way, way, way back in the day. Um, huh. It's. So it was a young adult book, though? Mm-hmm. Young adult, was yep. it a novel? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, it's if you get the chance to find that book, it's great reading for any age. He's got really? another book out that I started, but I got too sad called Refugee mm. that is also young adult. He's, you know, he's a he's a great resource for young readers. Well, it's so great to have such an all star cast on that uh, yeah. that thing that we worked on. Yeah. And it was it was one of the last uh, maybe I could be wrong because I went to L.A. after that to live for a couple of years. But. That that was right about when the actors co-op was winding down, right? Or mm-hmm. towards towards the the last little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was probably the you know if you look at it in in three sections, it was definitely toward the end, the beginning of the third section of our okay. of our lifespan as it as it was. Did you start the actors co-op? I did. You did. I did. So that was it was your baby. I remember you were I forget was it what your title was, but I always knew that you were the one in charge. I didn't know that you started it though. Yeah, it was funny. Um, after I got married, I got married in 97, and then um, Katie Alley had been at DePaul in Chicago, mm-hmm. and she came back, and she and I were, we were working, we were helping Tom Parkhill with the Tennessee Stage Company with costume changes for a play called Shakespeare Abridged huh. that they were doing upstairs at the Lab Theater at the Clarence Brown, and she and I were just kind of talking about our dissatisfaction with, well, I don't know, dissatisfaction might be a strong word, but 
with how we wanted more and how we wanted to do these kinds of things. And I was just like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. And then so we started producing and then we did a 501c3 and we were just gathering people. Um, and Kara was one of those first people. She, in fact, did the paperwork for the 501c3. Really? And, um, and we all just kind of, you know, it's like, it's like that whole, if you build it, they will come thing. Yeah. Um, I just remember that photo with everybody in it inside the inside the theater, uh-huh. it, like uh, cabaret or not? Was it cabaret or was it more like black tie? It was and, the, like we were like a mafia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I look at that and I see all those faces. And yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. I know. It's fun. I mean, we're still all in touch. And, yeah. Good. Um, or most of us, the majority of us, anyway, and. Um, we all post up in historic rugby up on the Cumberland Plateau. Yeah, what's that all about? What's that? Is that um, that's not Greg White, is it? No, no. Well, no, he's at Cherrick Creek, which yeah, is Creek. still Big South Fork. But yeah. um, our dear friend Howard Hafner, who um, Howie, Howie, <laughs> who was on the board of directors for the Actors Co-op, um, and he was really close with Sarah and Ellen, and that's how I met them. And Sarah Ellen, Sarah and Ellen were in the company Let's for see. a long time. Sarah Schwabe or Sarah Campbell? Sarah Schwabe. Sarah Schwabe. And, and Ellen Shamay. Ellen Shamay. used to be Ellen Robinson. Oh, but yeah. they were all best friends. They all worked in the, in the Oliver, what is now the Oliver Hotel together. Mm. Um, and so Howie joined our board. But Howie, with his partner Jody, bought Roslyn, which is one of the, it's like the largest historic home up there. So we all started visiting there. And now Karen and Tony have bought a house. Um, our friends Jody Manross and her husband Russell have bought a house. But there's a 99-seat theater up in Rugby. And we've performed cabarets there. Like, it, it's just unbelievable that we still get back together and Sarah will come in town. And we just... I'm like, okay, we're going to do performance. And um, we're hoping as long as this Delta variant and incoming Lambda doesn't jack us that we're going to do a New Year's Eve show up in rugby um, where it's going to be like we're getting a band and, you know, everybody oh, will just cool. sing or do monologues or do poems or whatever. And uh, I want to check it out. I knew you guys were hanging out up there. I didn't know what you were doing, though. <laughs> we perform and then also, I mean – we barely perform, I should say. We've we've done it twice. We did one on Zoom and then we did one in person. Um, but we really just all go up there as often as we can to be together and to yeah. hike and go swimming in the swimming hole and to eat food and make whiskey drinks. Awesome. And yeah, and then just be together. And we still sit around and talk about plays and we, yeah. you know, everybody still sings songs and we talk about the old days and then we make plans for... You know, everybody kind of lays out, well, here's what I'm doing and here's what I'm doing. And we still, it's almost like we workshop with each other our own independent lives because we're so used to. Working that way together? Yeah. We're so used to each other's common good that, you know, that's, that's how our friendship is based. It's, it's the loveliest thing. It's awesome. It's a sweet group of people that have a huge place in my heart, made a huge, a huge impact on my life as an 18 year old, you know, or 19, however old I was. You were so great. You know, like you fit right in with us and yeah, um, I was younger I mean, than everybody. Everybody was about 10 years older than me. But I know. And I you just let, let me in. <laughs> yeah. And I had Lucy, my daughter, yeah. who's now almost 20. And yeah, you know, she was brand new. She's pretty new. She yeah. went everywhere with us. Yeah. You know, when we were going up Black Mountain trying to get over to uh, um, to Harlan County to perform Cool Creek, I just remember thinking, God, 
damn, I hope we don't fall off this mountain with my baby. <laughs> like, it was just, you know. Took, took a baby on tour. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so much to get through because, like, you have this, to me, I look at it as a prolific theater career. But then you've had this, like, second act in motion pictures, like, yeah. acting in them. Like, yeah. Well, uh, is it Gina? Yeah. I mean, that was when I was still, that was funny when we shot that. Um, Katie and I were doing Abundance by Beth Henley at Imes Nature Center. Hmm. So Gina is a short film called Gina, an actress age 29. And um, it went to Sundance in 2000 yeah. and um, and won the jury prize for short filmmaking that is year. Is it a Paul Harrell? Paul Harrell. Deal? Yeah, for sure. And um but we were performing abundance at the so I would shoot all day and then go perform the play at night. Um, where did where did it shoot? Where did Gina, an actress oh, age twenty nine, shoot? <laughs> it shot all over Knoxville. Oh, did and, it? Yeah, I mean there are a few locations, so but it was here. So 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 Paul Harrell is um, <clears throat> does he, does he teach? He does. Is he, he at Virginia Tech? Still? No no no. He's at UT is for he? cinema studies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I went to Virginia Tech to audition for one of his films. Oh. One time. Probably something, anything. It it was quick feet, soft, oh, soft hands. hands, quick feet, soft yep. hands. Yeah, that's where I met Lauren Lazarus. Oh, we were sitting there nice. in the waiting to go in and audition. Aww, yeah, <laughs> that's cute. I don't think either of us got it. You didn't. No, we did. Because <laughs> I was. It's funny. I've worked with Paul on all his films. Yeah. Um, but on that film, I was craft service. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was just like, I'll just do whatever you need me to do. And uh, Greta Gerwig, who you may have heard of, yeah. played the lead female in that in that movie. Yeah. So it was fun to hang out with her. She hadn't hit it big. And um, she was a lot of fun, really great. But I was just like, here's your chicken. Yeah. You know. That's great. Yeah. Is, was that, so how, how does it go? Does it go Gina, an actress age 29, and then the Soft Hands, Quick Feet film, mm -hmm. and then something, anything? Uh-huh. And then Light from Light. Light from Light. Yeah, which premiered at Sundance in 2019, and I'm a co-producer. You're a co-producer on, on that, that film. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in order, um, what was what's something anything that was Ashley Shelton in that, right? Yeah. Wasn't she? Yeah. Was she the female lead in that? She was, and Lynn Edwards. Yeah. And Lynn was in it. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Were you a producer on that one? No, I pl I was in it. Oh, you were. I was in it, and my character's name is Gina, and I played huh. Ashley. I played. I know. Um, <laughs> He got played, typecast as a Gina. <laughs> I know. That's all right. Um, and I play Ashley's character, whose name I can't remember right now. Um, but when she makes a transition in her life, um, she goes to work at the library, and I was her boss there and and befriended her. And so there's a couple of there's a couple of good scenes that I have with her. And then I think I helped out on set a couple of times, just like directing traffic or when they were shooting guerrilla style and it's like, Hey, if a cop starts to come up to us, just well, you to just, <laughs> I'd be like, okay, <laughs> Hey, I'm from Warren County, Kentucky. You know? My mom worked in an underwear factory. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Um, so yeah. So when did, I mean, did you direct, uh, did you direct theater productions too before you start, because you started directing film? Yeah. Also. Yeah. Yeah. No, I directed a lot at the Actors Co-op. Okay. And um, and the first play I ever directed was with was with Shakespeare, East Tennessee Shakespeare on the Square, and we did a a really um, abridged version of Midsummer Night's Dream, and, mm. and, and Kara was in that too. And we did shadow interpreting for that, which what which is like sign language, but we would have the sign language interpreters on 
stage with the actors. So mm. they were almost like their shadows. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. And what that does for the deaf and hard, hard of hearing crowd is that they can, they don't have to look elsewhere for the language. They just right. look right there. It's like the subtitles are right on their face. Yeah, that's, like. <laughs> yeah it's right there. Yeah. And, you know, and it was an amazing experience. But, you know, after, on the day that we opened, I was like, you guys, I think this is really good. Mm. And then I was like, but I don't know, because I've never directed a play. Break a leg. <laughs> you know, it was totally like that. Because I was also panicked. I was like, sure. maybe, I think I can do this, but maybe I can't. Maybe it's like I never learned anything from my instructors at Western Kentucky who said, don't sing. Like, <laughs> I never tried directing, so they couldn't say don't direct. But it turned out to be great, you know. Well, so it was almost the same trajectory like with theater. You started acting, and then you started directing, and mm -hmm. then you started acting in film. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then how long did it take you to... Uh... To get brave enough to to direct some, uh, well, to direct a, well, I guess a, you did a feature ultimately. I did a feature, um, and that was totally blind. I had contacted, uh, at the suggestion of my friend Gay Lines, I'd contacted Dee Haslam mm -hmm. to donate some money to East Tennessee PBS because Antiques Roadshow was coming through and mm. we needed to fund a VIP event. And she was like, you know what, just call Dee. It sounds like her thing. She'll be great. And so I'd had a conversation with Dee and, and she paid for the, you know, the bar at the event or whatever. She donated enough that got us the event. Um, and I had, there's a, a movie called Prison Break-In that mm -hmm. is supposed to be called Up the River, by the way. But mm. Ross changed it. He was like, I want it to be called this. And I'm like, oh my God. Ross Bagwell? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's Dee's dad. Yeah. And so... Uh, I had been at the reading for that and had met Dee there. And then I talked to her about Antiques Roadshow. Ah. And then she called me and she was like, hey, would you meet with my dad? He has this project. And um, Paul Harrell and his wife at the time, Ashley Maynard, started this thing called Nest Features that mm -hmm. was for Ross and Dee um, to kind of, Ross wanted to kind of propagate some of his ideas into film. And, and get out of the... Um reality kind of world? Well, I or... don't think he wanted to get out of it. I think he just wanted to play. Gotcha. You know, I think he just had these ideas and he wanted to see them to fruition and he could afford to do that. And So it was Ross Bagwell and, and Paul Harrell and then was Dee involved at all? Yeah. Okay. Ross and Dee were the executive producers along okay. with a really great guy named Rick Zivy. Um And that was Nest. That was Nest. And um, Paul and Ashley got it on its feet and were running it. But then they mm. had to balance because Paul was going to – I think they both were going to be teaching at UT. Um, and so Dee asked me to meet with Ross, and I went in and met with him. And he was like, well, I've got the script. You've read it. And I'm like, yeah. Um, and he was like, if I just gave it to you and gave you some money, what do you want to do with it? What would you do with it? And I was like, well, I would direct and produce it. <laughs> and he was like, sounds good to me. <laughs> And um, and then I got out and I was like, I don't know why I said that. I don't know how to do it. Um, I'm seeing a theme here. <laughs> it's true, Ben. It's true. Well, it's um, good. It's a way to learn. You don't learn by, you know, doing stuff that you're comfortable doing. Well, and the only way to get an opportunity is to freaking take it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's like, I had a, I had a. I had a decent, but I had a hundred fifty thousand dollar budget, yeah. and you know, and I just had to put it together. And what was it called again? Well, if you look it up, it's called Prison Break In. Oh, that's but, the that's what it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's okay. But gotcha. it was supposed to be called Up the River, and you know, it's I feel I'm proud of it. 
because I didn't exactly know what I was doing. And I ended up like, Gary Johnson shot that for me and he was so good. He was so good. Um, Wes Kaler was my AD and I really relied on those guys. Love Wes. Yeah. And um, Jason Benjamin and Jess Malevich um, were my two lead actors. And so it was all people. I, I think one thing that I will take credit for besides just accidental luck and hard work um, is that I'm, I think I have a knack for putting, for inviting people into my circle mm. that are beneficial to the cause, yeah. you know? So, so I surrounded myself with good people and, and, you know, we I, got it done. I think that's the, that's the most important thing about what we do that, that a lot of people don't realize or they miss is that, you know, being a great director or really being a great producer or anything like that is not about being really great at your job as much as it is being able to build a team and move a team in the right direction mm -hmm. um, that has a cause in mind. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a great director working with a terrible AD or a terrible cinematographer is going to do terrible work. Yeah. You know, but you put you put the right pieces together and somebody has the wisdom to help move that in a direction, then it, you know, it it becomes easy and it becomes greater than I think of some of its parts, you yeah. know. It, yeah. The magic can happen when, once you uh synergize. Yeah. I think, I yeah, think. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, and I think that you're only as strong as your weakest link. So mm -hmm. you have to keep, you know, you have to keep it fresh and you have to keep it strong and you know. And then it'll move on itself. Yeah, was that was that the uh, was that the only film you did with Nest? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember uh, I remember hearing about it. I remember seeing you guys shooting all over town. Shot near the Glowing Body one time, or up there on Central somewhere. I drove by. I was like, "Is there a fi is there a film in town? What's going on? How come I didn't get a call? I was supposed to be working on this." I was <laughs> that Gary Johnson. Damn it! Oh, <laughs> you should have been. Um, Join our merry band of pranksters. I know, but you guys had a real the big set going on. It's. I mean, we made a movie, and yeah. I I can't believe it. You know, and did so, Roman edit that? He did. Roman Carpenter. Yeah, he sure did. He's such a good. He's he's one of the most talented editors I know too. I mean, like yeah. that's just another example. You got the you got the crew, man. You got the all star team on that well, one. Well, it was. Um, we were all, we were all glad to do it. You know, it was. Um, it was a good experience, I think, for everybody. And and there have been films in Knoxville before then. It certainly wasn't the first feature film to shoot in Knoxville. Right. But it's a little more common now. You know, we have people mm -hmm. coming in and doing films. So it was a good experience for all of us to yeah. kind of cut our teeth. So. It was right after that Evening Sun, too. Yeah. A few, few yeah. years after that, probably. Did you work on that one at all? I didn't. I didn't either. I didn't. I, was I mean, old. who was working on it then if we weren't working on it? Uh, yeah. Oh, they missed <laughs> how did, out. How did it even get made? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's a mystery. Did you do anything on the Burt Reynolds film that came to town? I didn't. That was a bunch of out-of-town crew from what I understand. Yeah. And I was, um, I took a sabbatical. Um, I got kind of burnt out and I went up to rugby and ran their restaurant for about six months. Nice. So I was coming back from that. Yeah. And um, it almost killed me. It um, working at a restaurant or running a restaurant up on the Cumberland Plateau. Yeah, when you don't have enough workforce, and it was really yeah. difficult. But I loved being up there, and I solidified a lot of friendships while I was there. So that was good. What did you do with the kids while you were up there? I they, guess they were old enough to take care of themselves, right? Not Kinda. really. No. I mean, Imogene 
turned a milk crate upside down and washed dishes. Really? And Lucy learned how to host. And, you know, like they worked with me. And and you guys lived up there for, for six up, months? Yeah. Did I'll, they go to school back in town? No. Yeah, yeah, they were. I mean, we kept our house here. Yeah. So um, that was only open like Thursday through Sunday. So ah. we'd go back and forth. And it was the summer, you know. But cool. my whole thing was hey, we're going to go to the woods where we don't have good internet service and I'm going to get you all these bikes and you can go anywhere you want as long as you stay together, just don't split up in the woods. And mm-hmm. they would have friends come up and stay and they say that they hated it, you know, but. You but, know that they they loved it and they just don't know it yet. When yeah. they're 30, they're going to yeah. they're gonna look back on it and absolutely yeah. think it was the coolest thing they ever did. I know, but by the end of it, they were like, we can't stay here. <laughs> And I was like, I know. And they were like, all you do is work and you're not in the woods with us and we're tired of this shit. And I was like, all right, sounds good. And so I went back into production and that's when um, I had been freelancing with Jupiter Entertainment Mm. before then. So when I came back is when I became a staff. Gotcha. Remember there. So what what shows have you done with Jupiter? Did you start as a producer or did you? I started off... um, Amber Gallagher, who's a friend of mine who's a producer, she hired me to do locations because mm. she was like, you know, everybody in town, we need some new locations. And then I moved into wardrobe and then I moved into casting and then I moved in pro- into producing and now I'm directing and producing. So, wow. Yeah. That, it, it seems like a good, um, it seems like a good environment to be able to, as you said about opportunity, to be able to take. Mm-hmm opportunities that are that are in front of you if you're willing to do the work there's opportunity to to go from a locations manager to a director producer yeah you're willing to put in the work and do it. it's true it's also timing you know i had um and i'm free i'm back to being freelance now which is a good change for me but with jupiter i asked and asked to direct forever and they were just like no we good and i'd be like "Mm." and then it's like you're too good of a producer we can't lose you as a producer and i'm like that's some BS. Fine, um, I'll do them both. Yeah, that's well. When <laughs> did the, you call their bluff? <laughs> yeah, I did. And um, and, but when the pandemic hit and they went down to a really minimal crew yeah. size, um, a friend like their producer and director both had to bounce, and I heard about it. And there was probably literally been like a fifteen minute window of time, and I went straight to the executive producer and the showrunner, who are also both women, um. And said, hey, y'all may have heard that I've been asking to direct since 2014. Um, It's 2020. And I'm glad to do both these positions. Right. And and Deborah, who's the EP, who's great, she and I had talked about it before. And she was like, I'm going to do my best to get you in there. But she just hadn't been able to do it yet. But they were in, um, they were compromised. And so they were just like, yes, please do both jobs. Really? Uh-huh. Because they just didn't have enough people. And like it, we were- What do you mean compromised? Well, we were shut down uh-huh. and they were trying to crew everybody and get everybody back to going during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And for that show, um, they needed an additional crew member because the weather components are so difficult. Um, so they were going to have their producer offset and then only mm. have a director on set, but then the director was going to have to handle all the producing duties on set. And that's a no brainer. Just make it the same person. Yeah. I mean, nobody <laughs> else does that but me. So yeah. um, Bobby Ekovic did it for a little while and I think he almost had a stroke. <laughs> I mean, it was just real hard. Yeah, it? it is. It's a lot. Yeah. But is I was, 
What's the name of the show? Storm of Suspicion. Mm -hmm. It's on the Weather Channel. Yeah. What's so it about? It's about, um, it's true crime, and the crimes get solved with a weather component. Mm. So sometimes that is... Um, the, the weather got so cold, you know, it yeah. froze the body. And when the body dethawed, they found the body, but in time to save the forensic yeah. evidence on the body, you know, it hadn't washed away yet um, oh, because the body was frozen. So there's different things like that, you know, um, or we did a, an Amish murder where this that sounds terrible Amish guy who had a Tinder account where he was, oh. he called himself the Amish stud. Um, but he would, he, he had affairs with all kinds of different women, but one woman that he had an affair with was a Mennonite. And she, um, I, I, she must've been touched in the head, but she agreed to kill his wife for him, but they planned no it during a thunderstorm. So, because, you know, the Amish community where this happened was pretty small and yeah. you know, or the houses are close together and you don't have TVs on, you don't have any of that stuff. So, it's quiet. Yeah, so the gunshot went off during the thunder. So that's the weather component, you know. So that's it's, like Andy Dufresne escaping from Shawshank. Uh, you oh, know, yeah, yeah right. had to wait till it stormed. To, yeah, get out the to, thing. To, yeah. So I could do that story on my show. Yeah. Um, so it's not real. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's challenging. We'll often have, you know, it's really freaking hot outside right now, but we'll have to create snowstorms. Mm -hmm. um, and different things. So I actually Man. enjoy the challenge of yeah. that. I like figuring it out. True crime on the Weather Channel, huh? Everybody's <laughs> jumping in. <laughs> yeah. I wonder I wonder if they were looking for it or if somebody at Jupiter told them they needed it. I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, after the History Channel went to like alien shows and stuff. Yeah, the I whole mean, paranormal thing and I think yeah. I think the travel channels is, all ghosts. <laughs> cable has jumped a shark, you yeah. know. Yeah, it seems like it. But whatever, I'm paying my bills and my daughter's tuition and, you know. That's and exactly. It's fun. it's fun. Yeah, everybody's like, you know, when you when you work on something that, you know, you, doesn't seem like it necessarily suits your interest or, or seems like something that is, uh, doesn't seem like something you would seemingly want to work on. People always ask, like, how do you work on that stuff? And I'm like... I mean, like a, more, a mortgage yeah. is one way I work on that. Health stuff. insurance. Hell yeah, it's, it's one of the, I have children. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think that's one of the parts about like falling in love with the craft and the process and being cool with mm -hmm. executing that craft, no matter what the subject matter is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to make, I don't want to make smut, <laughs> you know, but, I'll, right. but, but like, I mean, everybody's got a line somewhere, but like. I'll work on just about anything if I'm interested in, you know, even some somewhat interested in the challenge. Yeah. Of, yeah, that's of doing exactly it. it. Yeah. The challenge is it. Because I don't, I mean, I watch my shows via our online, you know, my showrunner sends them to me. Yeah. But I don't have cable, mm. you know, and, um, and, and I get scared real easy. So <laughs> watching true crime, I'm just like. And, and so, uh, or, or is the show? Um, I haven't seen it. I'm sorry. No, I, no it's I, all right. I'm, 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 I'm it's just to. in its second season. So okay, is it uh, kind of interview driven, and then and then the re recreations mm -hmm. are the are the part that you do exactly. Okay, exactly. I'm the recreations producer and director. Okay, so um, there's a field team that goes out and interviews folks, 
And then there's, you know, we have our showrunner and then we have a supervising producer mm. and a post producer and then associate producers that do the research and put everything together and, you yeah. know, it's of course a our editor. big machine. It is. It is. There are several different components and my component is only one of those. So Yeah. Um, did you did you work on any of the other true crime shows at Jupiter before you did this one? I've worked on, I've mainly worked on Killer Couples, um, which is really great to talk about if you start dating someone. What do you yeah. do? I work on Killer Couples. Um, and then <laughs> I, I, I promise I'm not crazy. <laughs> I mean, I might be. Um, and then Snapped. I think everybody at the company has worked on Snapped. Yeah, I was but, in an, an episode of Snapped. Yeah. yeah. And then she snapped. Yeah. Um, is yeah. that Oxygen Network? Or, yeah. 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 And then I've done, I, I guess the first season I produced was, it was the only season it didn't get renewed, a show called Dying to Belong. Hmm. And it was about, I just don't think there's enough stories. Although there probably is, you just don't know about them. Um, it was about people that wanted to be a part of something, you know, so they would kill to do it, kill to have money, kill to live a certain lifestyle, kill hmm. to be a part of. Selling your soul type deal. Yeah, selling your soul. Yeah. So, um, yeah, dying to belong. That was also on the Oxygen Network. Yeah, that seems seems like a pretty narrow. Yeah. Market for for stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I've I've done you know Jupiter's been really good to me and kept me working. Good. So, <clears throat> other than those, those were my primary seasons. But I pick up stuff, you know. I fill in for things like the crime that we did last week, the murder that we did for Storm of Suspicion. I had filled in as a director for another show called Vengeance last year, and it was the exact same crime. I mean, you know, it was the same really? story. They like, but it was different shows, and so it was a different take. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I know how we're going to do this boat work because I've already had to do it. You yeah. know, so that's kind of shot on a boat. Yeah, we had the boat on the land actually, but the way that we position camera and the way that we did the stunt is you could see the water in the background. Mm -hmm. And then we put one actor at a time out on the boat with a water safety person in mm. the water. Cause we're still trying to keep people six feet apart when they don't have on masks. Mm. Um, so we, you know, we're all kinds of trickery. Yeah. Even actors, even actors. Really? I mean, we're not always successful, but yeah. we, I'm a, I'm, I try to be really cognizant of keeping them moving if they are anywhere, mm. you know, kind of close to each other yeah. so they're not just standing there. Yeah, we when man we shot something at the Tennessee Aquarium. It was a TV show for for kids. It's called Conservation Crew. Mm. And it is the cutest show and first time I'd ever really directed kids before. And that was fun because yeah. like it took me back like, oh, I, I I'm an actor's director. I forgot. Like yeah, I, you I, are. I remember being a kid, yeah, you a, a are. kid, and like what I wanted to hear, what I needed to know, what information I needed to know. But anyway, we uh, the way that we shot that thing was was the same way. I mean, it was in the thick of COVID, and we were you know tested every day. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, you can't have actors with masks on on camera. They have to have them. You know, right. so we had to we had to get smart about how we were how we were lensing the stuff and 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 how we were how we were it was another not only do you have the the, the storytelling burden you also have this covid burden yeah. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the story but you have to still it, it's an it's style points yeah. ultimately is an added degree of difficulty to, yeah. to 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 tell a story without your actors being close together and we were able to do it pretty pretty much yeah but you did a great much. job but you did great it was it was uh there were a couple times where it was a little too close for comfort, but other than that, and you know, we were, 
hell, that was nothing compared to what's happening now, apparently. Anyway, so um, at least we know what we're doing now. Yeah. As far as you know, protocols it's, and all that. Yeah. It's a little more ingrained. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I wonder what it's doing to us psychologically. I wonder if, I wonder if the anthropology class at Western Kentucky will have a, a, a COVID <laughs> chapter in it. In, uh, I'm sure it will. In 2050. I'm sure it will. Yeah. If you add this to our, um, our need for constant gratification with social media as I sit next to my phone and then like this disconnect with COVID, it's like, it's going to, it's going to be interesting where we are in 20 years. You yeah, know? it is. I'm wondering about, I mean, my kids are five and two. So, you know, I wonder about, you know, is she ever going to see her kindergarten teacher's face? Gosh, <laughs> yeah. I know. I saw uh, I saw uh, one of my one of my daughter's uh, preschool teachers from last year. I saw her. Yeah, I saw her yesterday or a couple days ago, and uh, I had just met her last year, and I didn't recognize her because I'd never seen the bottom half of her face before. So this got to be doing something psychologically. It's got to be doing to something. to us like some lasting imprint. Yeah. But you know, fortunately. We are in an industry that content still has to be made, so we're, we're lucky, you know, that you know, we're not in the live concert business or the restaurant Golly, industry. No. God bless them too, you know. Yeah. Like need them more than ever now, but um, people's eyeballs went up twenty percent on their phone, which means we yeah. need to we need something to pump into those eyeballs, Every, right? <laughs> everybody's gonna be everybody watches true crime. You know, yeah. it's not going out of style. Yeah. Everybody needs to you know, everybody needs to share their products with the world yeah. and, you know. We just got to figure out, keep, keep doing it safely and, yeah. and yeah. hopefully get through it. Yeah. So what else you got coming up? What, what, what did we miss? Did we miss anything big? I don't think we missed anything big. Yeah. I mean, I did such a great, um, I was so fortunate to be on set with you guys a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. That was so fun. That was a different, that was not true crime. You looked like you'd um, done it many times before. You are very kind and generous. Um, are you, are you like was... a duck with the feet moving <laughs> underwater really fast, but on top looking really yeah. cool? I was like, I'm sure we're fine. Yeah. This is just a recipe. Yeah. No one's dying but that baked potato. Yeah. We can do it. We can do it. I just, yeah. I just loved, yeah, it was a food, food network and an HGTV spot. Uh, <laughs> but I just loved every, you know, about once a day you'd be like, do we, do we need some fake blood? Here in this scene, I think I've got some in my car. I think I've got a big gallon of like loppy zombie blood if yeah. we need it. <laughs> Turn this into a true crime potato. Oh my gosh, we could have done it. I took one picture of Ashlyn, who was our lead talent for oh, the yeah. Food Network stuff, but she's holding a chef's knife. And I was like, there we go. Yeah, that's my brand. Turn, turn that just a little way. Let's get some light on that. Let's put a couple <laughs> drops of blood on that. We good. Well, it was, uh, it was awesome to work with you. I'm trying to... Th- think maybe the first time since the play? I think that's true. I think that's true. And it's funny because we run in similar circles, mm-hmm. you know, the same circles. A yeah. lot of time there's a ton of overlap. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate you all calling me for that gig because it was great for me. I just, good. yeah, it was good. It was fun to be around everybody. Well, we need you around and I think we're going to be seeing you a little bit more. I love it. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming by and, and doing this. I'm Aww. so excited to get to, to to hear to hear about your whole story. Gosh, Ben, I'm honored to be invited. Thank yeah, you. Sure. Talk to you soon. Okay. All right. How did we do? 
Did you enjoy it? Did we do okay? As usual, thank you guys for being here. Uh, if you want to help us out on Patreon, check it out. South of Scruffy. That's the community of people that support this podcast. Help us keep it afloat here. We appreciate them a lot. Follow us on Instagram, at South of Scruffy. There. We're closing in on 100 episodes, guys. We got to get there. We got to get there. We going to do it. You guys be good. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you real soon next week. Hey, Pitchwire. Play me out.